chapter 10. We'll be through with Luke by about 2026. But we're having a good time with it. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Very familiar passage, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Very much misunderstood. But we'll look at that tonight. Luke 10, 25, and then we'll pray over all these things. Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. <clears throat> but he willing to justify himself said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Can you imagine anyone challenging what Jesus says face to face? But he did. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan of all things, this Jew must have drawn up. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast and brought him to the end and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And then the lawyer knew he was in trouble, and he said, Well, he said, He that showed mercy on him, and Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. On the surface... This seems like if you do enough good works, if you're benevolent enough toward other people, you can earn your place in heaven. And of course, the parable of the Good Samaritans used as a so-called golden rule, and that's misleading. But let's look at some things tonight, and we'll pray. Dear Lord, thank you for everyone that's here, a good group tonight. I know it's such a blessing, and thank you. And I pray for all these standing before me. It's never routine. It's never just another time. This is a service within itself. May this be a, a wonderful evening of you opening our eyes, sweet Holy Spirit, to the book you wrote. Bless all these that gave prayer requests and those that had silent requests. And dear Lord, I'll praise you for all you do, for asking in your name and my thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. This question asked by this teacher, this lawyer, this man who was supposed to be an authority on the law of Moses, the question he asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life, is the most important question in all the world. How do you go about receiving eternal life? There's nothing more important than understanding that. Am I right? Everything else is temporal. Everything else will pass away. No matter how long you live, no matter what you accumulate, no matter how uh, well known you are or your accomplishments it will all pass away not that that's unimportant sure it has its place but it's temporal this is eternal 
This is where you spend eternity. Most important thing in your world is that question. What do you have to do to receive eternal life? And I hope Melissa don't mind. My mind keeps away. Her last Wednesday night, she was questioning this, thinking, what I have to do to get to heaven? And she settled that. And she's been here every service. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I love that. I love that. that. That's just wonderful. It really is. Uh, but this incident between Jesus and this one fellow, uh, so-called master of the law, proves that Jesus loved individuals, took time with individuals. Surely the crowds thronged him, thousands and thousands of them everywhere he went, but he took time for individuals. He talked to this man one-on-one, -on -one, and that's an amazing thing. What a rare privilege for this fellow to stand face to face with the Son of God and ask him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But he was doing it for the wrong purpose, of course. But for Jesus to respond to that and take the time to answer that, that is most amazing, is it not? Jesus loved sinners. He loved individuals. Uh, the nature of this question reveals this lawyer's knowledge of the scripture and the promise of eternal life. But he was depending on the wrong thing. He was trusting his own righteousness of keeping the law of Moses and, and doing all the things that the uh, tradition of the fathers that added some 66 different things there and keeping all the tradition of the elders and the law of Moses and he would gain a place in heaven. He would have eternal life. He was trusting the wrong thing. Amen. He was asking Jesus this, but here's something else. He knew something was missing. Frank, he knew something was missing. He had this religion. It was well organized and he was doing the best he could with it, but he was empty inside. There was no life. There was no, there was no real dynamic. There was nothing life changing. It was just routine and mechanical and just on and on and on. And the man knew something was missing. Amen. Isn't that something? He knew something was missing. But we're going to look at two broad points tonight. And we're going to get into this on the second point about the parable of the Good Samaritan. You'll find that very interesting. First of all, the requirement for eternal life. Jesus gives it in verses 26 through 28. He says, now, uh, what are you reading the law? And he answered in verse 27. And he gave the first two commandments on which the others are binding. He said, all right, here's what it says. I'm well aware of it. Here's what he said to Jesus. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength, and love thy neighbors thyself. And Jesus said, you got it. You answered that correctly. You answered it correctly. Now, if you'll notice, Jesus answered his question with a question. It wasn't to avoid him. It was to get the guy to thinking, you know, thinking, uh, Jesus was going somewhere with this and he wanted him to think about just where he was missing out on it. He was confused about it. He was very religious. He knew the Old Testament. Listen, uh, the New Testament, of course, not been written. He knew the Old Testament books, the 39. He knew all of them like the back of his hand, Wayne. He knew the, he knew the Bible, the Old Testament. He knew it. And when Jesus asked him, uh, well, what do you read about what do you think you have to do to inherit eternal life? And he said, 
you know, love the Lord their God, all our mind, heart, mind, strength, and soul. Treat your neighbor uh, like yourself. Jesus said, you've answered that correctly. And on all the others, these hang. So he had the, the letter of it right. The law of it right. But he was missing the heart and the spirit of it. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to him. Uh, this calls for total commitment. Here's the thing. Jesus is already easing into this about showing him the impossibility of a man being good enough or doing enough for himself or even other people to save himself and gain a place in heaven. Jesus was about to show the absolute impossibility of being good enough, doing good enough to go to heaven because this calls this first commandment and the second one calls for absolute total commitment and selfless love. And nobody can meet that standard. Nobody can meet it. We're just not put together that way. We have a fallen sinful nature. And whether we like it or not or won't admit it or not, we're somewhat self-serving and self-absorbed. And that we do not have the capacity to love others as God loves. And this is the kind of love that the law is requiring. The law is not given to challenge men uh, to be a little bit better so they can gain entrance into heaven. It was written to show the absolute impossibility of them living up to the standard of it. Amen. And that Jesus is the only one who ever kept it right. to the letter Amen. and fulfilled it. And so he's about to get into that with a parable of the Good Samaritan. And so the first thing is the requirement for eternal life. Absolutely impossible for any of us to meet. The second point, if you'd like to know what it is, say amen. amen. The reinforcement of its impossibility. Jesus builds upon this and reinforces the thought that it is impossible for anyone to be good enough or do enough good things, be benevolent enough toward others to where they can gain a place in heaven. And this parable of the Good Samaritan points that out. It's totally opposite of what most people do when they go to it and say, there's the golden roof. You'll live like that and treat others like you and love others like you love yourself. You get to go to heaven. No, it's totally opposite of why he even gave it. But we'll look at that and you're going to enjoy this. Jesus gives this most familiar of illustrations, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's greatly misunderstood and called the Golden Rule. And again, like I said, the assumption is if you keep the Golden Rule, then you gain a place in heaven. But he's giving this to show the absolute impossibility of earning a place in heaven. And we're going to break it down in just a few minutes and look at it. And I think you'll enjoy it. First of all, this, this man who fell among thieves... He was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Yeah. Now, Jericho is below sea level. And from Jerusalem to Jericho is about 15 miles. And when you walk from Jerusalem to Jericho, you're going downhill. And it's a narrow way to get there. And there are robbers all around in the caves and catacombs of that 15-mile trek from Jerusalem to Jericho. And if you travel that way alone, you would often find yourself among thieves and robbers. This fellow did. They jumped on him, beat him within an inch of his life, took everything he had and left him laying there in his own blood, left him laying there to die. 
That's the saving of it. That's what happened. And then along came the priest. Now the priest is the highest position in the Jewish religion. And you would think, and I know this lawyer's thinking, yeah, this is getting interesting now. Here comes the priest. He's going to help him. The priest sees him laying there in his own blood about to die. But you know what the priest does? He passes by on the other side. He doesn't even stop to look at him, try to help him, just walks on by. Then here comes the Levite. That's an assistant to the priest. And the, the Levite knew the letter of the law, just like the priest knew the letter of the law. And they knew what the word of God said in the Old Testament. Uh, love your neighbors yourself, but neither one of them did it. So, here comes the good Samaritan. But think about this, this priest, this Levite, and there is a little application here. We're pulling it out of its context a moment. This is a salvation application, not a good works, not benevolence. This is how you get saved. This is it right here. But if you pull it out and make an application about how we treat each other, how we should treat each other, we certainly should meet each other's needs. Am I right? You see someone in need, you take care of it. And here's what John said in 1 John 3, 17. If you see your brother in need and don't take care of it, how dwelleth the love of God in you? Now, that's not talking about salvation. That's talking about just being a good Christian and serving others. And you know what I love about around here? We take care of each other. And we take care of people in the community. And we love that and we do that and keep that up. That's a wonderful thing. But back to the Good Samaritan. Now, can you imagine in this, this lawyer's mind, in the lawyer, good night. I hate to say this about Alabama, but I have a sister-in-law and she said, the Bible says there's a woe on lawyers. That if you, if you become a lawyer, an attorney at law, there's a woe on you. And we said, honey, that's not what that means. It's not a lawyer, an attorney. It is someone who is a master teacher of the law of Moses. But can you imagine this? Here's this master teacher of the law of Moses. Knows the Old Testament like the back of his hand as far as the letter of it. And Jesus goes through this. And then he gets down to this part and he says, But there was this good Samaritan. A Samaritan. Now the Jews hated the Samaritan. They were half-breeds. They weren't pure Jews. And they absolutely hated Samaria. They wouldn't even walk through Samaria. They'd go around it. Amen. And if, even if it took a, several more hours, they, would walk around, they wouldn't go through there. They hated the Samaritan. And here's Jesus inserting this Samaritan in this story. And he said, now the priest didn't do a thing about it. The Levite didn't do a thing about it. But here's a Samaritan of all people. And he sees him. And here's what he does. He stops, gets off of his little donkey, walks over to him, pours some oil out, and, and, and takes some of his own inner, outer garments, tears it off, I guess. And he saturates that and he begins to bathe that man's wounds. Can you see that? He begins to bathe that man's wounds. And it's a Samaritan. And Jesus said, but I'm not finished. He put him up on his own beast. That means the Samaritan walked and he rode. Yeah. They went on about their business. 
went down to the inn. And those, this wasn't a Holiday Inn or a Sheraton. This was just an old place where you could keep the rain off of you, the weather off of you. He put him in the inn, told the innkeeper, I'll pay the bill in full. Here's two pence, that's two months wages. He said, I'm, I'm going to leave in the morning, but did you, have you ever noticed this? If you read there between uh, verses 35 and 37, he stayed the night with him. The Samaritan stayed the night in the inn with that poor man. He didn't just say, okay, I hope he does all right. He stayed the night, got up next morning, and he told the innkeeper, I'll be gone a while, but if you spend more taking care of him than I've paid you when I get back, I'll pay that too. Now here's the whole thing. Here it is. Who is this good Samaritan? Is it Jesus? No. Is it a good person? No. It is hypothetical. Here's the thing. Jesus gave this this way to make it absolutely ridiculous. Preposterous. This person does not exist. And that's the whole point. There is no such thing of anybody that does such a thing like that and that would inherit eternal life. That person does not exist. This is a hypothetical situation. And the more Jesus mounted things upon it, one layer after another, it became more ridiculous and even impossible. And that was the whole point. This person, you don't try to figure out who the Samaritan is, that's unimportant. It's what he was doing, and nobody does that. No human being acts like this. Nobody can love like this. And that's what he was trying to get across to that fella. And it hit him. Look at this. He said in verse 36, Now which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed him mercy. And here's what Jesus said. Go and do likewise. Don't have a problem with that. He couldn't do that. You can't do that. No one has this kind of heart. No one has this kind of compassion. No one can have the ability to love somebody the way this Samaritan loved this man. That's impossible. No one loves like that but one person, and that's God. Only Jesus loves like that. So if you want to love like this Samaritan, if you want to meet that criterion, you have to be saved by the grace of God and the love of Christ be in you. And that's the whole thing. And that's what this fellow was missing. He did not have that kind of love in him and he saw it, but instead of embracing it, his religious pride, he walked away. You and I cannot meet God's standard of righteousness. We cannot. I, you know, you meet people. Uh, what about uh, Mother Teresa? Oh, everybody thought it was a highly burden. I'm not, I'm not belittling that. But you know what she said in her dying days? She said, things are darkening. She said, I'm frightened. She said, I have no joy. Is it possible I've lived my life in vain? Mother Teresa said that. All her life, she was known for her benevolence. Right. Yeah. But if you don't have Christ inside you, 
It's just externalism. It's, it doesn't register in heaven. And, and no one can meet that perfect standard. What Jesus was getting across, and the reason he made this so ridiculous about a Samaritan doing this, is because the standard is perfection. The standard is God's own righteousness, and we don't possess that. But when we're saved by the grace of God, the most wonderful miracle takes place. He places his love inside us and he's able to love people through us. And we can do things that we ordinarily could not do. And that's love people with a divine love, a sacrificial love. Didn't our early forefathers do that? The early Christians in the church? Imagine this being hurled to lines and thousands of them there in the theater being waiting their turn to be hurled to the lions. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, told us this. He said they had such love for each other that they would step in front of one another and say, no, take me instead. People just don't do that. But Christian people do it. They die for one another if necessary because it's the love of God in them. And what this world is starving for is real Christian love. Amen. The love of God. That's what melts a stony heart. That's what breaks a strong man down and makes him cry like a baby is because the love of God is coming out of that person and they're sensing something that's from another world. The love of God. Amen. So this is what this is all about. Not trying to figure out who the Samaritan is. Not trying to raise your standard of, of righteous living and being more benevolent and caring. But you'd be surprised. No, you wouldn't. You know it already. All the religions around the world that place that on people, that burden. You've got you to gotta walk the line. You've got to meet a standard. And there is a standard of living. And the Holy Spirit does His work of sanctification in us. And anybody would say, well, if I believe that and just... If I believe you just get saved, it doesn't matter. I just go out and live any other way. They have no clue what salvation's all about. No, no, no. He gives you a new heart, a new desire, a new outlook, a new appetite for spiritual things. I love to come to church, but I used to hate it. I love preachers, but I used to despise them. You know why? Because they'd come to my house on Sunday, we'd have Sunday dinner, and uh, our parents would invite them over, and we'd have fried chicken. That rascal would sit there and eat everything, and I didn't get anything but a wing. I didn't like preachers. I didn't like preachers. I didn't want to be around them. I didn't like church. I didn't, I didn't want to fool with church. I didn't have a spiritual appetite, and you didn't either. Now, maybe because of the way you were raised, you may have wanted to do it a little bit more than I did, but it didn't come from in here. It wasn't divine. It wasn't a true spiritual appetite given to you by God. I love my Bible. Oh, I'm a, I love this book. I, if I had salt and pepper sometimes, just to eat it up. I love this book. I didn't love it before I was saved, though. I didn't care anything about this book. I couldn't understand it anyway. All that changed when he changed me. He came inside me. And that's what Jesus is trying to get over this fellow. It doesn't matter how much you know about me. You don't know me. That was it. 
You know a lot about me. You know all the letter of the law. You know what it says about me. But you don't know me personally. And that's what he's trying to get across. Amen. And so, here it is. This falls under the same idea of a camel passing through the eye of a needle. You remember Jesus did that? Yeah. It would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for you to inherit eternal life. And I heard one commentator, Wayne Jackson, listen to this. He said, yeah, but there's this eye of the needle. Uh, it, it's a rock formation. It, it's a place in it. It's got a gate through it. And, and he said, it's low. And he said, if you can get the camel down on all fours, you might can slide him through the eye of the needle. That's ridiculous. That's not what Jesus was saying. He said, it's impossible. It's impossible. And so the only way it's possible to be saved is to do something this lawyer was not willing to do. And that was say, I'm a sinful man. I need a savior. The law won't save me. I can't keep it. It's a perfect standard and I can't keep it. I need you to be my savior and forgive my sins and come into my heart and be my righteousness. But he walked away. Bless, I'm glad you didn't walk away. And there may be another one or so in here. You're not sure you're saved. Oh, please see us after the service. We'll be glad to talk with you, one of our deacons, one of our preachers, anyone. And we'll help you with any questions you have whatsoever in this matter of receiving eternal life. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand, if you will, please. And we're praying for you. Pray for Sunday, for Sunday school. Invite, invite, invite. We had the biggest crowd in Sunday school we've had in a long, long time last Sunday. Invite, invite, invite. And let's bring people in with their families and bring them to Savior. No telling what might happen around here Sunday morning. I'm so excited already. Frank, would you pray for us, please, sir? Lord, I thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, Father. Lord, I thank you, God, for the message we've heard. Lord, we understand, Father, that the good Samaritan is the way we should live. Lord, but it is not salvation. For salvation is only through you, Jesus Christ. The belief in you, or the belief in God that you died on the cross of Calvary, Father, for our sins. Lord, I pray if there's one here that does not know you and pray pardon of sin, Lord, they do accept you, Lord, for that salvation. Lord, for without it, Lord, it's just, it's hell, Father. God, I pray, Lord, they accept you, Lord, and, and spend eternity in heaven with you. Lord, be God and bring us back Sunday. Lord, bless our Sunday school, have it continue to grow, Lord, help us continue to save souls saved. We thank you, Lord, for the ones that's been saved. Lord, have thy way in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.